spirit of agreement is what I'm preaching on today. So you might remember um, a couple of weeks ago, I preached, um, uh, when I got back from Hebrides, I spoke on Hebrides and some of the things that God had promised us, which I'm just gonna rehash just two scriptures on that because uh, for those that weren't here, just to kind of catch you up on, you know, when I'm going over in the ferry across, like God gives me a scripture, which was basically a promise of what we could have here. So it was the invitation, but it came with stipulations, I guess, um, which I'm just gonna quickly read out, which is 1 Chronicles 15, verse one to three. And this is where um, David is taking the ark back. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. And then down to verse 12 to 16. And said to them, you are the heads of the father's household of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, both you and your relatives, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel in that place that I've prepared for it. Because you did not carry it at first, the Lord our God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to the ordinances. So remember that part. See, the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. The sons of the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles thereon, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Then David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives, <clears throat> the singers with instruments, music, harps, lies, loud sounding cymbals to raise sounds of joy. And so if you remember when I preached this a couple of weeks ago, um, the Lord gave us this promise for Field of Dreams, this promise, but it had the, the attachment of the seek um, in accordance with these ordinances. And so there's a stewarding and conditions that need to be put in place for the transporting of what is like an ark, the presence of the Lord um, to come and, have, and see an outpouring here. You know, we're all talking about outpouring, um, but it, it doesn't come like, you know, just external to us. I know I've said it a million times, but it comes from that place of us, you know, seeing what those ordinances are and actually going, there's a place for us to steward this. What is the invitation? What's he looking for? Because he's looking to, you know, for us to establish a tent, a place of meeting here on earth so that he can, um, you know, do something like I just had that knowing of that atmospheric shift and that atmospheric um, coming of the Lord in this region when we actually, you know, start to really align our hearts towards what he wants to do. And we saw that like even last Sunday morning, the worship, like everyone coming into that, that spirit of agreement and the presence of the Lord was so tangible because we were putting our hearts towards the fear of the Lord. We were putting our hearts towards opening up to saying whatever it takes, we want to see a move, um, a move like we've never seen before. And so when I was coming, so I get that promise, you know, literally drops it, that scripture as the promise of what could happen here through you know the, the, us, a company of people that had set their hearts on um, him coming in such a tangible way. But then I was asking those questions. So I'm on the ferry now coming back, um, you know, back to wherever we were heading back to, the mainland, mainland Scotland. So coming back on the ferry and um, I've got these questions kind of circling. It's like, you know, what, how would we steward his presence? How would we prioritise worship? Um, How, you know, and it's not just like it was a me question, but it was also like a we question. How would we consecrate our hearts and pray for a move of God like we've never seen? Could we see an outpouring of the fear of the Lord where people knelt down in repentance like they did in the streets outside that police station that you and I you know, both picked up on that? Um, so these questions started to stir us. So I'm on this ferry and once again, God, boom, Scripture, open up this Scripture, which I'm gonna get to later in. I, w- I won't actually say what the Scripture is just now. 
But that scripture that he gave me, it was basically, you will see, you know, apart from those other ordinances of like, you know, worship and consecration, he spoke so clearly to me that for a move like no other, there requires a spirit of agreement. And, um, and that was like, okay, what exactly does that mean? But in the context of the scripture, which I'll give you later, it'll, it'll start to unpack it. So, because I want to jump back first. Um, you know, for a couple of years, we've just been talking, um, if you've been here with us, especially over that COVID period, talking about mass formation and what that, that, what that means. Um, and, you know, early days in the pandem- pandemic, um, we were, there was a um, small team of us that were just praying into, you know, what is in the middle of the lockdowns. There's a few of us just here praying. And, I literally heard in the spirit marching, um, like, and I heard the word lockstep. And I remember at the time, just like not having much understanding of lockstep. What, what exactly? Like, it's self-explanatory, but at the same time, I was like, well, what exactly is the meaning of that? Um, and I wasn't the only one that heard that word lockstep either. Um, so when I looked up the meaning, it says close adherence to an emulation of another's actions or a way of marching with each person as close as possible to one another. And so, you know, you look at um, somewhere like North Korea um, and they do it not because like, you know, we just need to learn to march closely together. Um, There is something of a show of strength and a show of unity, a show of spirit of agreement that actually they then broadcast. You don't see much coming out of North Korea other than when they have those, I don't even know what they call it, but that day when they gather and basically show their strength, they march the people, the army down um, down that street and then they march the tanks and they march all of their weapons all down the street. What are they doing? They're showing that spirit of agreement. They're showing we are in lockstep and with our agreement, we can start to really shift things so it's a you know it's actually communicating to the world don't mess with us because we're in agreement here um so what God was really articulating to me was this observance so you know hearing that marching and then the lockstep was the observance of like the lockstep that was happening around the globe that what was God, you know, we're praying into stuff that's happening around the globe and he's showing me lockstep. He's showing me nation after nation after nation are going into close adherence to an emulation of another's actions. They literally went into lockstep and towed the line. They came into agreement that this is the way we're going to respond to this COVID crisis. One moment. almost, you know, every time you preach, it's like, hello, fire. (laughs) This happens to Rachel too. (laughs) It's like, it's very hot up here. Also, lights. Um, Where's up to? So what we saw across the nations was absolutely surreal. We see this narrative of the lockdowns, we're seeing the, um, not just the lockdowns, you're hearing the industries being shut down and crippled over net zero and then you're hearing the lockdowns, you're hearing the mandates and 95% of this nation completely falling in line with the narrative. Um, okay, mandates it is. Okay, you know, I mean, people being stopped, um, they're losing their jobs, they're not able to um, go attend funerals of loved ones, they're not allowed to go into nursing homes of people that are elderly or sick. Um, so it was, feels like it was a bit of insanity, but when you start to understand what mass formation is in a spirit of agreement, you get a better grid for what was going on in the time. Um, because workmates were turning on workmates. You've got friends turning on friends. You've got family turning on family. Not, suddenly you're not allowed to go to Christmas. Um, because of this, what is called mass formation. <clears throat> so I'll give you a, a 
a bit of a rundown of some of the de- definition of mass formation. It's a psychosis in when is, sorry, mass formation psychosis when a large part of our society focuses attention to a leader or a series of events and their attention focuses on one small point or issue. So COVID, fear, climate crisis, fear. <laughs> um, followers can be hypnotised. <coughs> sorry, I just jumped. Oh, no, I didn't hypnotise and be led anywhere, regardless of data proving otherwise. And then I came across another definition from Matthias Desmet, um, and he said, mass formation is, in, in essence, a kind of group hypnosis that destroys individuals' ethical self-awareness and robs them of the ability to think critically. This process is insidious in nature. Populations fall prey to it unsuspectingly. And um, he then went on to say that like, we associate to- total- totalitarianism, um, that's a long word, um, mainly with labour camps, concentration camps and all of that. But this is the slippery slope, um, is that there were stages before it ended up in concentration. Cons- concentration. <laughs> that's a little bit different from one another. <laughs> Just a, a little, a little. Um, but he says there's four key components for mass formation, um, like for an environment to experience a mass formation psychosis. It's a lack of social bonds or decoupling of social connections, a lack of sense making. Things don't make sense. Like, why are we suddenly in lockdown? Why is, you know, like all those questions that we all had. That it also has a component of free-floating anxiety. You can't really quite, you know, locate it. And free-floating psychological discontent. So the free-floating anxiety is a general sense of uneasiness that it's not tied to any particular object or specific situation. It's not like a str- your everyday stress where... Um, okay, I've just missed my flight. That's stressful, there's anxiety, how am I gonna get home? But my problem is very much identified. I've missed my flight and now my solution is go find something that will solve that anxiety, that stress of what's just happened. Whereas mass formation has like, I can't quite, how do I solve this? How do I find a means of that anxiety to be you know, taken away. Um, So when followers start to participate in a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, new social bonds typically emerge and people change from a highly aversive negative mental state and isolation to the exact opposite, to the extremely high level of connectedness that exists, even though it was a complete illusion about the level of connectedness. So that whole statement that we heard over and over again, we're all in this together is the building of connectedness. So that statement was like, it produces in us, like we feel connected um, because it's for the common good that we are all taking, the, you know, taking one for the team. Um, and I remember, so, so while you feel connected on a bigger level, I mean, we certainly didn't um, because, you know, I remember going into Pasadena Foodland with my forced mask, um, and this was early days and everyone was like looking around. They were trying to like, don't touch me. Um, people were lined, you know, doing their, what was it? One and a half metres, what was it? 1.5 metres, how can I forget? Being told so many times. Um, and I remember started crying. Like I just physically, I teared up and I'm watching people like, you know, but others were like, there, there was this sense of connectedness, but I was seeing it, it was the polar opposite. This was disconnect. This was causing you to have to distance. This was causing you to be muzzled. This was causing, you know, like all of the things that actually cause disconnection. But what was the mass formation psychosis? It was um, the opposite. We're all in this together the common good. And so this is how, you know, you get, prior, but you, you needed, like, um, we had the climate 
for this to be set up at the very, very right timing because prior to you know, COVID coming, there was already like a breaking down of connectedness in society. So for so many years, the enemy has been working a strategy of isolation. Um, social media, while like everyone's like, oh, it's great, you can be communicating with the world, it's not real connectedness. So what the enemy has been doing all of these years is breaking down that connection, breaking down family systems, family connectedness, eroding those family structures so that people then don't have the deep connections and they have that sense of, I'm alone, even though we could be getting 100 likes on our Facebook page. So along comes COVID and you get fear, fear of the unknown, um, you know, is this thing going to kill me? I mean, early, early days, we didn't know. Is this, you know, is this um, a potential virus that can, you know, could take you out? Um, but this is the thing, like, it, it is a virus. Like, the, a virus in the sense of the fear, in that it was so elusive and free-floating that you just didn't quite know where it was going to land and what it could do to you. So that fear and the virus, like, you know, mirror one another in, in, in our um, world. Um, and then on top of that, you've also got, like, the climate crisis. You've got the, um, the, the fires flooding through, you've got the floods flooding through, and people now having extra... Um, fear attached to their world because will my kids have a world to grow up in? Like, we don't believe that, but certainly the community believes we're not going to have a a, a world for my kid to live in. This is free-floating anxiety. It's like, what do you do with that anxiety if you don't have God, you don't have a bigger narrative? It's like, okay, well, find me a solution. Why do people buy into net zero? They buy into net zero to a, a mass formation. They buy into net zero because solution. Okay, net zero actually takes away my free-floating anxiety. So now I come into a spirit of agreement with the enemy. <clears throat> so you got, you know, the, the perfect storm, I guess, um, with all of these things, you know, coinciding all at once, but very, very deliberately. Um, and they all just start to stack up in people's world about like this anxiety and what, what can I do with it? Um, and anxiety about the future because we have now moved so far away from Christ established values. We were set up with those Christian values. That's the foundation of this nation. And when you start to move away from that plumb line, you get anxiety about your future, about, you know, like where, where's the plumb line? Where's the thing that actually grounds me? So you have the perfect storm for, um, for you know, a global agenda to be presented right now um, with a global solution by the same people that provided our global problem. That's, that's a problem. <laughs> um, and that's because they wanted us to go into lockstep. They wanted us to go into a spirit of agreement because they knew and have had precedent of centuries of observing those that went into lockstep, went into agreement and what society can do in turning on itself if you can bring them into a mass formation psychosis. We've seen the most atrocious things over the centuries and you look back and go, how on earth does that happen? It happens because they... They deliberately plant those things so that they can then be elevated as a solution. So what are they doing? They're setting themselves up to the saviour. They're setting themselves up as like, I will take your anxiety away from you and your fear. We'll keep you safe. We'll save the world from its own destruction. And therefore, align with that to do the greater good, whatever that takes. So this is, you know, that is the ultimate spirit of agreement. So we've seen over these last um, few years just um, people's radical self-sacrifice. It's like giving up their individual needs, giving up their freedoms for the sake of the greater good. Um, Why do they do that? Because we innately know that we're wired by God to do something of such greater good 
than like it's such a bigger picture. The narrative of God and who He is is the draw um, that's actually within people's hearts. So they're looking for um, the greater good not realising that the greater good is actually the narrative of Jesus, that the greater good is actually attached to this narrative, come into agreement with what he wants to do and look for like just, you know, the evidence of that in and through our lives. And so the problem is that people attach to the wrong bigger narrative. The meta narrative that they attached to was the, the one that the enemy sowed, um, you know, sowed into the globe, it's not just, you know, just this nation. The enemy sowed a greater good across the globe so that it can be a spirit um, of, so there's a spirit of anxiety that they can then now become the saviour and the solution to. And then people then have this feeling of connectedness that's not actually real because what they're connecting to is a collective but not bonds to one another or a bond to ultimately what was the narrative that we were supposed to touch to that was far, far greater. But what has happened in people's agreement, spirit of agreement over this mass formation is we're now seeing more depression, more poverty, more illness, like you name it, it's like it deteriorated, but they're not now discerning wisely that that narrative that I bought into was the reason that I now feel these things, Um, which is incredibly sad. You know, and this is, don't worry, I'm coming to solution. (laughs) It's not going to, it doesn't end bad. (laughs) Um, So they're coming into agreement with the enemy's strategy. So they gave their yes to him. Okay, my agreement goes towards the enemy's strategy. Um, So, you know, we're aligning with the wrong spirit. You know, even in North Korea, (laughs) I was watching a documentary random, I know, about North Korea um, the other day, just out of curiosity as I was like processing mass formation. I'm watching this documentary and they believe, majority of that nation actually believes because it's been so drummed into them of the greater collective, um, the common good. And, you know, this is why you look and you go, how is it they haven't all risen up? They haven't risen up because the whole idea is to absolutely squash any dissenting voice. So then everyone thinks everyone's in agreement and that we're all working for the common good. And so this is why it's super important that we always have a voice, which I'll get to in a minute. So when we um, remove God from that bigger narrative, so what we're talking about obviously is like, you know, being created in His image, that His desire for us for relationship and that we have a purpose here on earth. If you take away that bigger narrative and remove God out of that, then the enemy's always gonna fill that void. He's gonna come in, you know, there's a vacuum to, okay, enemy's gonna sit in that place um, to absolutely make you feel like you've now got, you know, a connectedness and you, there's solution there. Um, you look at the, what do you call it? The voice to Australia. This is how the enemy has played his hand. If you look over the last decade, he was eroding our history and our, how far we would started to come with the Indigenous. And what he did was, was he planted our sorry in 2007, which was fine in that sense of like, you know, we can have corporate repentance over things that were done in the past. But that sorry since 2007 has been guilt, shame, shame, guilt, guilt, shame. Like it's an agenda to actually go, okay, now that free-floating anxiety over, I feel Um, no patriotism towards my nation, I actually feel guilt and shame over the things that we've done in the past and I can't make them right. I know I'll come with a solution, the voice. Please put your yes, put your agreement to your guilt and shame. Take away your free-floating anxiety and in its place. So he comes with what looks like a solution and people buy into it to alleviate their free-floating anxiety. 
He's very, the enemy's clever, he's crafty. But when we've got the spirit of the Lord, we can discern these things and then we know how to pray into them. So the enemy wants to take out any dissenting voice. And this is why it's super, super important that we understand mass formation. Because um, the guy that I saw in an interview with, um, Matthias Desmet, said, usually when there's a radical idea that comes out, you get the 30% that is so radical for you know, the transgenderism. There'll be 30% of the population that are fierce, they're intimidating, they're so radicalised that the 60, he says between 60 to 65% actually sit in that middle ground and they don't really have much an opinion but they don't speak up or if they do have an opinion, they still don't speak up so they sit in that middle ground. He said generally speaking in, you know, like different, where you've seen mass formation, you get 5%, the remnant. The remnant, which he said is vitally important. This is, this is statistics. This isn't a guy that was talking from a Christian perspective. So this is not a Christian author talking about Christ-like. He was talking about statistically, which I then was like, this is actually biblical. Because what it was, was the, this remnant should never um, go down silently. This remnant is what the 30% want to take out. Because if you take out and get the spirit of agreement to come in, where you've got, you know, you might still have the 5%, but their voice is taken, you now have a Korea, a North Korea. Because now you've been able to, um, they, they want to radicalise to the point where they're like, we take out that 5% dissenting voice. They want the Christian voice to be silent for good. This is, this is why North Korea, it's like you get wind of uh, your parent, they'll dob their parents in. Why do they dob their parents in? For the greater good. So this is why the enemy, is, his strategy is to take out the 5%, take out the Christian voice, but he, this guy said that um, speaking up and speaking truth disturbs the hypnosis. It's so important that our remnant voice is, keeps coming. With the leadings of the Lord, we have to be not silenced, but actually stand up for the things that he calls you to stand up. There's actually an action needs to be attached to the times when he speaks to us about You've got to do that. You've got to talk now. And so, so we're tracking, obviously, over these years with the whole mass formation thing. And then Todd preached, this was probably just before he went away, um, Todd preaches this message and um, Genesis 11, verse 5, um, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord, this is the main key, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. That's, it's like I'd never seen that. So Todd preaches this word and that pops up. So come, let us come down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So obviously it confuses their language um, you know, you get Babel and all the rest of it, scatters them across the earth. But it jumps out because I was like, wow, spirit of agreement. Whether they're plotting good or whether you're plotting evil, the Lord comes down and basically says, nothing really is impossible if I can get everyone in agreement and in unity. I'd not seen that scripture before, and I would have read it a billion times, but not seen it in that way that I was like, okay, this is important. You're talking to me about mass formation. You're talking to me about spirit of agreement. This is why this is important. 
because you know, a one people is basically saying properly united and together. That if people come together in a mass formation and start to agree, then evil can flood. You know, the enemy knows if I can get their agreement to come into my plot, then he can help destroy the masses. Um, but there's such great hope because when I was on that ferry, the Lord said to me about the outpouring. So we come back to this, you know, the solution based is that he was talking to me about the ordinances of you know, the Lord um, and then saying about the spirit of agreement, how important it was. And so, you know, obviously it was the worship, the consecration and all of that, but he, he, got, he actually talked to me out of this scripture, which is 1 Chronicles 12, verse 17. David went out to meet them and said to them, if you come peacefully to me to help me, my heart shall be united with you. But if you... But if to betray me to my adversaries, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look on it and decide. And this is in the context of war. So these scriptures are David in Ziklag, um, where he's just you know, gone from Saul as a, as a fugitive and all these mighty men are joining him for war. So these are men that are battle, you know, battle ready. They can fight with their left and they can fight with their right. They're men of valour, they're brave and all of those things. What is he most concerned with? Not their skill, he's concerned with a united and in agreement. Because he knew the battle that were gonna be, the battles that were gonna be won were based on the spirit of agreement. If we're united, we can have great, great victory. So he's looking for the oneness of heart. And the oneness of heart is not just a oneness towards David. What they're saying is a oneness towards God's plan purposes, that my heart is in one accord with you, David, because you're the man of God and I'm the man of God and I am gonna um, follow after what I know to be the Father's leading and Father's will. And so they're coming into the oneness, not just on, hey, David, I like you. Let's stay agreed. No, it's a spirit of agreement because they are after the Father's will for their land and for the way that God wants to do it. And their fight was, you know, the kingdom of darkness being overtaken by the kingdom of light. That was their purpose. That was the one agreement that we wanna see this happen. And so you go to 1 Chronicles 12, 18. Then the Spirit came on Amasai, Chief of the 30, and he said, we are yours, David. We are with you, son of Jesse. Success, success to you and success to those who help you for your God will help you. So David received them and made them leaders of, of his raiding bands. I did say that. Um, so he answers correctly because by the Spirit, this warrior, this man of God, a mighty man was able to go, I'm with you. So he answers correctly. And I was having a chat to Ebony, kind of this message I'd been stirring and chatting to Ebony and um, she just made reference. So, you know, I'm gonna give her the kudos for, for this part of the message, but it's so related because I, it was on the back of Todd talking about that message about Babel um, and that spirit of agreement and how powerful it was in the hands of evil or good. Um, and then, so then we go, what does God do with that spirit of confusion? Like you brought spirit of confusion, not confusion, the changing of their tongues. So let's go to Acts 2, verse one to six. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, dis <coughs> distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Can you see the transition? You got the changing of the language and now when the Spirit comes, 
you've now got the oneness of being able to hear the same language, the same things that you need to hear in the spirit. So now you've got this, the spirit of agreement. So what we've got is like the complete reverse of what he'd done in Genesis now here in Acts where you like, wow, when the spirit comes, when the spirit of agreement comes, we're gonna hear what we need to hear um, and discern it by the spirit. So he united them by his spirit, which is the key for us. So the oneness and agreement he's looking for is ability to see the glory of God, to recognise the pouring out of his spirit for all mankind to repent and be saved. So um, the, the meta narrative is that for all our hearts, you know, that long for him, that is our meta narrative and our connectedness, which is completely unlike um, mass formation, is a far bigger picture, which is like you are our creator. Um, we are, have opportunity for a relationship with you and you've created us for purpose. So then we jump back into Chronicles and it's 1, uh, 1 Chronicles twelve thirty eight. All these being men of war who could draw up battle formation and I've just added, because in other versions it says not break rank, came to Hebron with a perfect heart to make God king over all Israel. And all the rest also over Israel were of one mind to make David king. So they were all agreed. They came with this perfect heart and one mind, which was like this loyal heart, not just regarding David, but it's like that um, for government, like we are in one heart that God's government would actually be established here on earth so that God's purposes can be um, um, accomplished. And so David had like, he, this is why he had zero tolerance for disagreement. He had di- zero tolerance for anyone that had their own agendas and wanted to plan and plot and go in different directions or try to take him out because he knew that it, there had to be an establishment, there had to be agreement for the government to be established in and through him so that the Lord could actually do the things that he wanted to do for the kingdom to grow in the way he needed it to. So, so many times we see, um, we, I won't do the next one um, for time's sake, Marissa. Um, but so many times you see the, these examples of um, David aligning to the will of God, coming into a spirit of agreement and then knowing the timings, knowing, okay, it's time now, you know, you hear the marching on the tops of the balsam trees and all the rest of it. Like things that meant that, they were constantly in alignment because they were agreed with God and agreed with one another. And that's the point is, you know, we often talk about spirit of agreement with him. Like, you know, I keep giving you my yes, but what about the yes to each other? What, what about the spirit of agreement with each other? Um, <clears throat> so we've got to be looking for those um, He's leading to come into lockstep with him and lockstep with one another um, because that's where we're going to have great victory is when we actually come into that spirit of agreement um, because otherwise it can jeopardise what he wants to do. Like if he's given us a promise of an outpouring like a Hebrides, like, you know, outpouring, um, then this is important he wouldn't say it back on the ferry when I'm asking him about these, you know, ordinances. He wouldn't put highlight this as a big one if it wasn't actually something that he was like, I really need you to understand this spirit of agreement because, you know, the way we unite with one another is actually will cause a greater outpouring and then just a spirit of agreement with him and what you do with your just your personal world that doesn't impact others around you. <clears throat> And that's how we establish, um, you know, the binding and loosing. When you go um, on the back of those scriptures in Matthew, the binding and loosing, um, it ends with verse, I'll just go to 19, Marissa. Um, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three gathered, Together in my name, I am there in their midst. Um, 
This is so, so important because it's the spirit of agreement and it shall be done for you. So not just this connection, but it has to be also this connection. And that we have to be diligent to not let the little foxes keep trying to, you know, to pull us away from, you know, the connections that we need to have with one another. And I know that, you know, I've shared that, that, that vision I had when I first kind of came to FOD with like the Todd and the scroll, like as he opened up his arms and that scroll fell out of his belly, um, which was the scroll, his scroll, but what stood out was um, FOD. And so any part of my scroll that was attached to Todd's scroll, firstly starting with Field of Dreams and being called here, it was illuminated. So I was like able to see, oh, okay, your scroll and my scroll attached within Field of Dreams and then there's specific things that we're also connected by, things of assignments that we're meant to do. And then when I looked in that vision to the left and to the right, I then also saw everyone else's scrolls were rolling out before them and everyone that was in that congregation were obviously had FOD written on the top of it. Um, but then I was able to see, oh, my scroll's connected to you on this, this, this. Like I can't, I didn't see specifics with people. It was more just a general feel. Um, and as I saw those highlighted parts of the scroll, it was people were taking each other's hands and coming to a spirit of agreement. And as they came into a spirit of agreement, they shook each other's hands. This white linen wrapped around the hands of the people. It's like, which is covenant, which is we covenant together to actually stay on scroll, to stay in agreement um, and, and that we don't want these pure wrappings around our hands to be torn. We don't wanna pull away, we wanna stay in the room. We wanna make sure that th- that agreement remains, that, that the enemy can't pull you off what, was your scroll. So that spirit of agreement is like, it's gonna take some work. To be a congregation where you don't walk out in offence or you don't, you know, have the conversations that need to be had or anything, you know, whatever it may be, it takes much more work in the spirit to be able to go, okay, God, let's lay down those offences and let's work those through. And so, continue to do that because there's something so profound if we are able because that spirit of agreement is going to cause this congregation to see an outpouring like we've never seen before. You know, we understand, we've talked a lot about the tabernacle, David, we've talked a lot about consecration, but we also need to talk about how we stay in agreement with one another. And then not only that, in this season, for this mass formation, we have to come into the spirit of agreement with him and one another, and we have to be ready to speak. We have to be ready to be that remnant that actually holds the line on plumb line and says, okay, there's gonna be times that we're just gonna have to keep pushing back on that narrative because he doesn't win. We know he doesn't win, so therefore there's always the remnant that's gonna speak up, speak back, and actually you know, continue to manifest like this light over this darkness so that you know, that 5% grows. That, that we become a remnant that continues to grow in number. So this is what we're looking for, is our hearts to be in that place where we're like, we're so agreed and we've so given him our yes. I mean, Rachel and I talk about that constantly. Give him your yes. And the more yes that we give him and the more yes that we give to one another, like we, we just continue to push back on the darkness. That mass formation is nothing to God. So I don't tell you all that information to be fearful of it. Oh gosh, it's just 5%. No, we only need 5% because we have Him who is able to go, when you come into agreement, that is so powerful. Nothing can be kept from us. But we have to decide that we're gonna go into that next season with the spirit of agreement. 
Give him your yes to, to his purposes and give him your yes to the relationships that you need to maintain. Give him your yes, especially in this season, to know when you have to be bold and braver than you've ever been in actually voicing a different narrative. Because people are actually looking right now. They obviously, 95% are, well not 95%, there's a lot, probably a lot lower than that. Um, but a lot, a large percentage of this nation are actually looking for the, the bigger narrative. And the evidence of that is that they fall into a mass formation psychosis, alleviate my anxiety, alleviate my fear, you know, become my saviour, farmer, big farmer, like or what, whatever, whatever the narrative is. I'm going to put my yes behind the, the voice because it alleviates my guilt and anxiety and stress or shame over things that were done to them in the past. I'm just excited what it looks like when we continue to give him your yes and your agreement because we push back. We push back on that narrative and I tell you what, we're gonna see so many people come into the kingdom because they are wired, hardwired, knowing, knowing, knowing there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger narrative. They're trying to alleviate their anxiety and their, you know, the thing that they haven't attached to, which is him. So you speak a language of him being your answer, your solution to alleviate all anxiety, all fear, um, whatever it is that, you know, that unknown future. I just think we are actually poised for <clears throat> a massive move of God because the hearts of the people are clearly looking for answers. They're clearly looking for solution. So if you wanna pick up your communion, Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you that you are the longing of our heart, that you are the narrative that we um, wanted to plug into because you are everything. You are our purpose. You are the relationship that fills every void and every fear and can alleviate every anxiety. And Father, we just take this communion now and just ask, Father, for um, just that... Um, continuation of the spirit of agreement that by taking this today, we say, we agree. With all that you poured out for us, we agree for the things that you wanna do in and through us for the future, that you have our yes. Just take your communion. Four, four, four. <clears throat> God, I just ask for us um, to be a congregation, just like that vision, that where we would see the things that you've called us to, the assignments that we're meant to do together, the things that you've put on each of the individual's um, scrolls, God. Uh, would you continue, Father, to show us how to stay in a place of agreement where the enemy wants to bring little foxes, where the enemy wants to sow leaven, we, just, we put a... Um, a line in the sand and we say, we will not, we will deal with the little foxes and we will not 
pull away. Father, that those strong bonds, that white linen, the places where that we're supposed to stay in agreement, I just pray, Father, You give us the tenacity and the fight to fight for those relationships, to fight for those things that are on our scroll and not just fight for it for our own sense of our own scroll, but I thank You, God, that You would put in the hearts of Your people a desire to see the fulfilment of every other person in that is called to field of dreams, that they would have such a desire to see the fulfilment of every other person that is in this congregation, that their fulfilment of their scrolls would be equally of as important as their own. And I thank you, God, that in this season where we want to, um, where the masses want to scream a narrative to, to, um, to alleviate their own anxiety, to relieve, alleviate their own sense of not knowing purpose. I just pray, Father, that You would give us the boldness, give us this brave spirit that would cause us to rise up and be able to speak the Word of God in season for people to come out of that hypnosis. We call them out right now. Those that are in a hypnosis, those that came under um, that psychosis, that mass formation that caused that anxiety to be solved um, by these narratives that were not your narrative, God. We just call you out that the veils would be removed and in its place, God, that you would um, do something in people's hearts to, um, to soften and to to be the veils be open for them to be able to see you that what they were actually searching for was um, was you God that you were putting a call in their heart that innate knowing of that we were called for something greater uh, we were called for the common good and the connectedness I thank you God that you would reveal that you were the one that will um, can be the connectedness that they need that you are the one that would alleviate every fear every stress and you only you God are the one that set forth um, the purposes of heaven that you want to be established in and through them and so we thank you God that you would bring us into a season of seeing salvation after salvation after salvation. And I thank You, God, that You speak to everyone's heart, that everyone here is called to evangelism, that I take off every fear of evangelism and the Word and the things that it's sown in people's hearts in the past. And right now that they come back into alignment that we were all called to bring the good news of the Gospel, You, the good news. And so I thank You, Father, right now that You would just undo anything of the past that could put a fear in, instilled fear that I'm not an evangelist, so therefore I don't have to do that. I just thank You, God, You pull that off right now and that in this season it would be a longing for Your people to come into His Kingdom. We thank You, God. You're just gonna unplug people from the matrix in this state. Thank You, God, that we'll be the forerunner state that actually has a narrative that's far um, far greater because may it be um, geared, it continue to be geared towards You, that You're sh- shifting that, um, that rudder to actually turn the tide in this state. Thank You, God, You've given us Metron right now for this state to turn the tide and would You put it back on scroll and the people here would come out of that blindness and out of that psychosis in Jesus' Name. And we all agree. Amen.